welcome to another episode of Sight in the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Ahoy hoy. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 8, Episode 16, which is titled Secrets and Lies. The episode aired on March 7, 2002. Lauren, what was going on that week 21 years ago? Citizens of Switzerland narrowly vote in favor of their country becoming a member of the United Nations. Uh, Spain officially switches from their own currency, the peseta, pardon any Spaniards listening, over to the euro. And over on MTV, reality show The Osbournes makes its debut. The show, which follows the misadventures of heavy metal singer Ozzy Osbourne and his family, ran for 52 episodes over four seasons. Lizzie and I talked about this last night. Just because of how much of a random cultural powerhouse this was at the time, I would have guessed it was more than 52 episodes. Yeah, that that was what I was going to say. Holy shit, there's only 52 episodes of that show? I feel yeah. like that... And, and yet, I still feel like I haven't... I've never actually watched an entire no. episode of this. I feel like it's the first show... Which would be, would become a trend, you know, but it's like, I feel like it's the first show that I experienced exclusively through clips. Like, I remember... Yes. Um, my big exposure to it was all the SNL skits they do with Sharon Osbourne being a character. Mm. That was like yeah. what I remember from it. I also feel like, um, you know, most reality TV ages like milk, but I feel like this one uh, particularly kind of ages like milk with how much we've learned about Ozzy Osbourne's physical condition over the last few years where it's come out that like, no, he was actually suffering from Parkinson's disease the whole time. Oh, and shit. The, the whole like the whole crux of the show is like, look at this wacky guy. He like shakes a lot and like can't remember things. And it's like, oh, this feels gross in retrospect. And like, we thought it was, always it was gross, just, but we it, thought extra even terrible then was we thought it was just from drug abuse <laughs> right you know yeah but it, you know it was always gross you know it's extra gross then no a reboot is in the works I, and i mean if it's on his terms and and like he wants to do it then i guess you know god love you do what you want but it's just like i don't know it's just the, it, it ushered in an era of television that i never really enjoyed like the the whole reality tv era was especially gross and this was kind of this between this and the survivors and all those other things like this this was like them learning oh we got something here like we so, can we can make a show out of anything I'll, I'll differentiate i like quote reality tv when it's more game showy survivor format amazing race yes, that, amazing race has its own level of problematic but i like more of those than the straight up like kardashians or real yeah. world where it's <laughs> the, just the the look at these weirdos genre. Yeah. I don't like the look at these weirdos genre. I like the look at these weirdos do stuff outside genre. Yeah. Wait, why is so Amazing fair. Race problematic? Uh, I don't think it's like super problematic, but like um, my my most recent example is they were out doing it during COVID. Oh. Like traveling yeah. internationally during COVID. It's not super problematic, but just there there's some stuff in it that's probably like, hmm. I was like, that's the one I that's the only one I like. Lizzie, really. you and I you and I will do an amazing race smell test and watch through together. Add it to the list, sure. Jake. Um right. We Were Soldiers, the Vietnam War drama starring Mel Gibson narrowly beats out fellow newcomer Forty Days and Forty Nights, uh, for the top spot at the box office. Oh. God, I, I I can promise you I was scheduling a root canal for this week so that I didn't have to <laughs> go to the movies because holy shit, that's that's a horrible. What a Sophie's choice. We were soldiers <laughs> or forty days and forty nights. I wish I were dead. So I'll what? Go see Lord 12, of the Rings again. Twelve year old, thirteen year old Daniel at this point was purposely going to the dentist. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, I probably was still going to the dentist at that point. Yeah, but I, I mean, like I was, you, I was one you of the lucky as a kids. child scheduled a root canal just to not go to the movies. Yeah, well, have you met me? I don't really go to the movies that often. I know, sweetie. Uh, and Always on Time by Ja Rule featuring Ashanti is the number one song for its second and final week. Daniel, what else was on? At 8 p.m., friends with the episode The One with the Tea Leaves. At 8.30, our new show Leap of Faith checking in with its episode Hole in One. That's uh, W-H-O-L-E. Uh, at 9 p.m., Will and Grace with the episode Something Borrowed, Something's Due. And at 9.30, Just Shoot Me with the episode Blind Ambition. This week's episode had 23.7 million viewers tuning in, directed by Richard Thorpe, doing his 18th out of 31. Previous ones of his from this season include Quo Vadis and Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and written by showrunner John Wells, doing his 21st out of 32. Last time we saw him was about this time last season, midway through season seven, uh, A Walk in the Woods. Uh, and as you might imagine, being that this is a bodily bottle episode, no green, no Corday, and no Romano this week. Which I felt like Romano really could have added an extra layer of ridiculous to some of the happenings <laughs> in this episode. But anyway, our previous he's the teacher. Anyway, previously on is brought to us by Corday this week, and we start out with. Abby wakes up on Luca's couch to the sound of Luca grinding coffee, which talk about the worst possible sound to wake up to in the morning. <laughs> like that reminded me a lot of when Carter is staying at Carrie's and he wakes up to her running the blender and singing to, I think Grace Jones at like Grace 3 a.m. Yep. So I just, that's just where my brain went. But uh, he fusses to be a good host. Like, did you sleep comfortably? Was it too cold? Was it too hot? Do, are you sure you don't want to take the bed and I'll sleep out here? Yes, you can use the bathroom and shower first. Just like trying to be a gentleman. Sweet boy, Luca. Um, and there's a very sweet moment of him just kind of like gently checking her eye fracture and like where she got beat and how her face is healing and everything. Just very sweet moment. Um, and then we switch over to Carter walking with two coffees and ringing a doorbell. It's nice and early in the morning. And we realize it's Susan's place because she walks around the corner just getting home um keep in mind where we ended last episode she was over at mark's the night before taking care of him uh carter's here to you know pick her up to go do 7 30 yoga because cute that's still something they're doing together great i don't know why lizzie's making a face because um, doing yoga at 7 30 in the morning this is this is also a byproduct of lizzie and i not recording in the same room anymore is like I have to actually like see her face on camera and see what she's doing. I'm not just staring at Daniel the whole time. Um, but yeah, Carter is stunned and like appalled and offended that she spent the night staying at Mark's on the couch. Like this is the biggest, most egregious sin she could have ever committed considering they've never even fucked. Like he should not be this upset about this. We'll get there. But then unlike Carter and Susan, we come in with some bangs. Oh, oh. Oh, going from the from the bangy bangs to our first audio clip here. Uh, We continue Carter putting his foot in his mouth and giving her shit about staying at Mark's. He's a friend. Good friend, I guess. Why would you drop it? Lonely, too, I bet, with Elizabeth moving out. Nothing happened. Were you even going to tell me that you went over there? I hadn't thought about it. So there's something you don't want me to know. Something you don't want to tell me. This petty, sarcastic side of you is not appealing. All right, you'd be cool if I spent the night over at... Abby's? Not Abby's, I was going to say Darla's. Darla? Who the hell is Darla? Radiology. The one with the collagen lips and the fake... They're not fake, are they? 
You were going to say Abby. No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. So now you can read my mind? Well, it's not much of a challenge. But if you spent the night at Abby's, I'd kill you. See, that's a double standard. No, it's not. I'm not attracted to Mark. You're attracted you to Abby. You were attracted to Mark. No, he was attracted to me. And thanks for not denying you're attracted to Abby. How did this suddenly become about me? You're the one who spent the night over at an old boyfriend's house. He's not my old boyfriend. He's like an older brother. And I don't want to sleep well, with Well, I don't want to sleep with Abby. <sighs> Susan, Jeff, take this one. Got a head injury on a I'm not on for 10 minutes. Several things about this. Number one, I would love to point out the uh, S-tier masterclass of sound editing where uh, she goes, the one with the fake bar 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 yeah. <laughs> as we get the like ambulance horn. <laughs> like, Oh, they're pushing, they're pushing a lot 10. of boundaries this week. So they have, I'm sure they had to edit some stuff down for standards and practices. 10, 10 out of 10 sound editing there. Um, also, can we get Fs in the chat for uh, Mark Green? He's got a brain tumor and he's got to live with being considered like an older brother <laughs> to Susan. Like, ugh. Mark Green, as if he wasn't already down bad enough. Like, and then lastly, uh, I uh, as much as like I know it's going to annoy me when we get to the end of the season and next season when you know it, it's all Carter and Abby all the time. I am kind of enjoying the early stages of the uh, John Carter MD heel turn. Like, I'm kind of enjoying heel Carter yeah. a little bit. Like, uh, he's, you're he's, su- you're assuming that Carter hasn't been a heel at all in this series. And well, that's there, true. he's had he's had several heel and face turns. He's in my true. humble opinion. He's acting like a 23-year-old who just got his first girlfriend out of high school. And it's just like, oh my god, you're like... you. It's, rough, you, it's a rough five years there, Lauren. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a 23-year-old <laughs> who just graduated high school. No, who, I, oh, no he, he, he spent five years being single after high school, I think, is the implication. Because he was a which... piece of shit. Um, so, he gets his first, <laughs> so he gets his first girlfriend, and now he's like, wait there were other boys and is just super i don't know i just well he jealous, already he already is gross he already sort of did that with abby you know recently too ain't, where he's sort of having his weird purity tests ain't nobody got time for the level of purity test and jealousy that john carter is bringing to any relationship right now My ain't dude. nobody are we sure carter isn't an incel he might be in this essay, I will. <laughs> Daniel, what happens next? Oh boy! All right, so it's come to this. The <laughs> we, I feel like I feel like we've been building to this scene for a, this is episode one hundred and seventy three. If you Since just count one, t- this is yeah. We brought this up on the pilot episode, and Did it's we? finally oh yeah, yep. it's finally come to this. Um, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if it was the pilot we episode, probably but did. it was it was definitely it's- in season one. It was it was definitely in season one, and it was one of the first times I remember Lauren going, "Wait a minute, what?" Like I don't remember this. <laughs> and I, like, I I buy it. I still bought it. I nope. bought it then. Nope, yeah. I don't. It makes too much sense. So the fan theory, the the fan theory that I maybe started. I honestly don't know if there's any <laughs> attributable proof to this out there or not, or if I just decided that it was canon and I'm running with it. Um, so we get um. To set the scene here, we get a dominatrix uh, being brought in with a plus-size guy in a gimp suit uh, being brought in by the ambulance. And they're all complaining about how heavy he is to lift and yada, 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 whatever. Um, it's a 40-year-old male. He refuses to take the mask off. Let's get the, let's get the elephant. Let's get the gimp suit in the room out of the way. <laughs> the, the elephant in the gimp suit in the room out of the way. Um, it is not Jerry in the suit. It is not Abe Ben Ruby in the suit. It is not our boy Abe in the suit. I still maintain 
that it's meant to be Jerry, even if it's physically not him. I maintain that that is the unspoken joke here because you will notice that it is very, very uh, distinctly just Frank at the desk. No Jerry to be seen. Jerry does not appear in this episode. And the um, gentleman, when he speaks, speaks like speaks, speaks like he's trying to throw his voice or he, something. He does speak like he's trying to make his voice higher than it normally is. Um, so the actual guy in the mat or in the the suit is an actor named Brad Grunberg, who appeared in stuff like Get Smart, Lauren's inexplicable favorite of the trilogy. Austin I Powers didn't say 3. it was my favorite. Uh, I said I liked and, it more than two. And I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, and he has a hundred and eight credits to his name uh, that will weirdly be matched by another actor later in the episode, like to the number. Um, so yeah, the dominatrix says that they cut the gear off, uh, that if they cut the gear off of him, they buy it. Uh, Galat is removing a tail that is attached to some, uh, anal beads, uh, in his butt. Uh, are we sure it's not just a straight up butt plug? That's what I thought. It could be. Yeah, I suppose. I guess I, I didn't consider that. Uh, Carter. When I consider it before you do, Daniel, that's a problem. Carter says that the dominatrix has a dislocated finger and she tells him to just fix it uh, right there in front of him and uh, keeps direct eye contact with him and doesn't even wince when he uh, does it. And it gets a great reaction from Carter. Car- uh, that awoke it. That awoke something in Carter that was deep, <laughs> buried deep inside of him. So buried like under layers of. Losing his virginity at 11 years old. We're getting uh, well, yeah. we're gonna, we're getting We're going to get into all that. So, uh, Lauren, go ahead. Get your thing out of the way. Here. Whose films are those? It's the only chance you get this episode because we're not spending very much time in the ER. Yeah. Um, so, I still maintain, I'm still of the opinion that even though it's physically not him in the suit, and I choose to believe it was either A, that he was not available, or B, that he didn't want to do it. Like, that he begged off of doing it. That's the those are the only two outcomes I can come up with for why this isn't Jerry is is that he either a was not able to like the the scheduling didn't work out and he wasn't available to film that day or b a Ben Ruby was like I ain't put on a fucking gym suit <laughs> like it ain't ha- I'll do a lot for this show but I'm not putting on a fucking gym suit okay but I also I need I need to give credit to the dominatrix as well because the character name is too good um. Actress's name is Patricia Thielman. She is actually a German woman, and mm-hmm. her character's name is Dominatrix Medusa. Nice. Nice. Just but that's definitely, that's definitely meant to be Jerry in that. Nope. Nope. Yeah. This is penis yes, is. this is penis bowl twenty twenty three. No, but it but but it is though. Like but it's it, not. Is. it is. No, it it's is not. meant to be him in that. Fam, someone back me up in three weeks. Because when this why airs. else? Because because why else would they go through the trouble of him being like he doesn't want to take the mask off? Because anybody who got brought in like that wouldn't want the mask to come off. Yeah, but it's doesn't but it's like give it's his like name. that it's like that comic meme, you know, of like when the when that I forget which superhero I'm, Jake's losing his mind right now. But there's that there's that superhero thing where like uh, he gets teleported into the bad guy gets teleported into the superhero's body and he's like, good, I can finally find out who so and so is, and he takes the mask off and he's like, I have no idea who this is. Uh, it's from the Flash, I believe. Yeah. Or, like, so, like, from, because from, like, if it was just some random dude, if it was just some random dude, then why would we care if it took the mask? There's no reveal. There's no punchline. Like, it doesn't matter that we would care. He, just a character motive. He just doesn't want to fucking get his shit taken off in the ER. I don't buy it. Okay. I don't buy it. It's all part of the mystery of this wonderful television show I'm, where we move on. It. We're moving on. I, I, I did, I did I have a brief, Daniel. brief moment of 
thinking about exploiting our uh, privilege as a podcast that's previously interviewed him and emailing Abe and Ruby just to be like, what's the details? You should like, did you Did you beg off of <laughs> having to wear a gimp suit? <laughs> anyway, after they wheel the gentleman and the dominatrix out, I wouldn't dominatrix follows, just again, she's got to keep her eye on her stuff. Uh, Susan finds the the a bag that that Ms. Medusa left behind in the trauma room. Abby and Susan want to look through it because hoo 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 hoo. Uh, Luca, Carter, and Gallant all say no thanks, and well, they end up opening it. And Abby and Susan are all are all just like, "The fuck is this?" All these people are repressed vanilla white bitches. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <even> <laughs> Even Glot, he qualifies. He qualifies this this time around. Like they're all like, you okay. can assume that you can assume no. they're looking at some variety of like dildos no. and like. Hold on, it's all it's all fetish gear. It's you know, all but I'm gonna say Abby gear. and Susan are into it. I do not consider them vanilla weirdos at all. They know what all that is. They're like, oh shit, it's Luca and Carter that are like. about all of it no abby and susan are here for it this episode is very this episode is very uh pro women's sexuality i think like if there's anything this is a very empowering episode from that i do not think abby and susan are vanilla boring white girls no they just seem surprised that anyone would want to use these things that's why i say that they're that they're and we also, we all, <laughs> I mean, I believe Abby's comment is like, nobody could actually use yeah. that, right? Which to me yeah. leads to, leads me to believe that there is something in there of cartoonish size and or like shape. Is it the giant, the giant strap on? Could be. It could very quite, well be. Quite possibly. Could very well be. Which they, they do, they masterfully, the, just the camera editing on them trying to avoid actually showing an uncensored dildo on screen. Uh, this guys, entire episode. I need you. I I need our listeners to know the amount of dedication I just went through for the podcast because I was trying to remember something. When you talk about like who could actually use that, my brain immediately went to Bad Dragon. I'm just gonna yeah. say that, and if you don't know yeah. what it is, you don't know what it is, Daniel. That's fine. It's it's okay. But um, yeah. So I just immediately had to Google. I'm not even going to tell you. I had to Google to remember what that brand was. But point is, uh, listeners, you're welcome. My my poor little asexual self just went and did that for you all. Um, I do. Yeah. I do really like the. Uh, speaking of the camera work, I do really like the 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 whole conceit of the camera in the bag. Like yes, and then the yes. the, the POV shot of Susan and Abby. I I really like that. It is it is very well done. Uh, but they're all they're all giggling and poking at stuff, and they find a blow up doll in there. And Abby throws a giant purple strap on at Luca, and Susan chases Carter around with a gimp mask. And Carrie walks in, right as Abby is wearing a choker and picks up a flogger. It's a flogger or like a feather tickler. No, thing. I think I it's tell. I think it's I I'm pretty sure it's just one of those the, the very thin with a very small leather bit on it flogger. So maybe not a full on. How I'm f- probably we're probably using the wrong. Lauren's term, Lauren's pedantic and asexual tendencies are colliding in front of us yeah. right now as she desperately wants to correct Lizzie, but it's too uncomfortable. It's a, it's a crop. <laughs> it's a riding crop. That's what it is. Okay, there we go. There we go. Thank you. Oh Thank no, I I might be ace, but I am I know my shit. Like I'm. That's all I'm gonna say. I might be I might be ace and boring, but I know what I'm talking about. 
<laughs> uh, with that being said, uh, Carrie then lectures the children in the treatment room and freaks out even more when she realizes that it was in fact a patient's bag, not just a sack of dildos that somebody brought into work. Uh, <laughs> All right, nobody click out. Nobody, nobody, and I'm nobody. Nobody clip out Lauren saying sack of dildos. <laughs> Can my can my work HR fire me for finding this podcast? Um, but speaking of HR, Carrie is going to contact HR and put them all on kind of an informal probation regard, regarding um, unprofessional behavior. Regarding. Regarding. regarding <laughs> guys, this regarding. is a fucking mess. Uh, oh. Regarding their uh, unprofessional behavior. And like, guys, you can't fucking do this. This is inappropriate. Um, and then after she leaves, Carter and Lucas start blaming Abby and Susan because, of course, they do. This is a theme, and they all try to go apologize to Gallant afterwards, and he just kind of tells them to fuck off and leaves. Um, then the spice continues. We get gossip at the admit station with Yosh, Chuni, and Chen all chatting about Lizzie leaving Mark because Shirley told Yosh that Lizzie changed her number on the emergency contact sheet. And uh, Yosh also did not buy Green Day this whole time. And he's like, I knew it wouldn't last. And Frank's like, can y'all get out of the way? I need to actually get some fucking work done. Uh, Frank's not just like, can y'all get out of the way? He says, if you all are finished with the stitching, bitch. (laughs) Which is a great, uh, great line. I also like uh, Malik's line that uh, she was just too much woman for him. She was too much woman for Mark Green. Anybody's too much woman for Mark Green. Ooh. Oh, anyway, the hits the keep while- on coming yeah, for don't Mark kick the man while he's down. <laughs> Guys, uh, I've anyway. had a day at work. I'm taking it out on the podcast. Anyway, Carius to go up to HR right now. But before that, Susan is in the lounge with her and just like, she's like, oh, no, it was all my idea. It was uh, like I, she's trying to take the blame for everything. But but Carrie's like, oh, no, they're all adults. They could have chosen to leave. And then Susan notices something right behind Carrie's head. That's very much that's that's not like blurred out, but just like not focused. Not quite in focus, focus. angled ever so ever so specifically, so as not to be caught by the camera. And it's a giant purple dildo attached to a it's it's a giant purple strap on. And which when Carrie turns around, is like, oh my god, which she just yells, which would have been which would have been the world's longest cold open in the history of the show. But I really desperately wanted Carrie turning around and seeing the dildo and going, oh god, I wanted that to be the bang into the intro. Like I immediately wanted to smash to the intro after that. It would have been fantastic. But I'm ready for the Breakfast Club. I don't know about you, Daniel. Oh boy. So, yeah, we come we go from there to where we will be for pretty much the rest of the episode for the most part. Uh, Abby is uh, going in with a coffee looking for a lecture room and we're doing the breakfast club, gang. This is uh, the breakfast club episode. This is the episode that uh, I would say this is one of the most divisive episodes in the show's history. Like this is this is an episode that everyone has an opinion on either good or bad. You either love this episode or you hate this episode. And I think, I feel like there's very few people out there who are just like indifferent to it. And for my money, spoilers for the end of the episode, my money, uh, I say it's in my top 10, maybe top five of the entire series. I love this episode. I think it is fantastic. I mean, it's probably, I feel like a lot of your feelings about this episode probably have a lot to do with your feelings on the breakfast club as a movie and whether or not you like that. Um, it's excellent. Yeah, it's excellent. I think, but so, uh, 
I, in watching this episode, and and it has been confirmed by John Wells himself that all of that is intentional. Like this is this this episode was an homage to the Breakfast Club. Um, but I, I love this episode not just because it's an homage to the Breakfast Club. I love it not just because it's a great episode. I love it uh, not because it's a bottle episode or because you know all these things. I love it because it is a perfect window. It's a it's a clear shiny window into the creative process and the writing room of the show at this time where uh shit's changed like a lot like things are completely different today here episode season eight episode 16 than they were even going back let's go back two seasons like if you go to the middle of season six things are completely different now than they were just two seasons ago at this time and you know we've seen lucy go we've seen um Malucci, you know, two thirds of the people who were brought in to replace Clooney have have come and gone. We've seen longtime cast members. You know, Benton is is out the door. They know that Green is out the door in just a few episodes. So, like the the production staff is never more aware of the fact that like there is a seismic shift happening in the cast and the and the makeup of the show. And so, it makes sense. It, this episode is a perfect way for you to go all right, guys, this is the new group. Like, get to know them. Yeah. Like, these are the these are the five people, five plus Weaver, so make it six. These are the six people that you're going to have to learn to love over the next few seasons because the old guard is gone, baby. Like, the, it's out with the old, in with the new. And it's a fascinating little window into what the thought process was at the time. I mean, this episode kind of telegraphs everything they're going to do in the next two seasons uh minimum like you're going to have susan and abby being best friends you're going to have luca and, and carter fighting over her fighting over abby you're going to have they kind of telegraph gallant situation maybe unintentionally like it, it's you know like so it, it was pretty clear to me that like this was a this was not just a like ooh let's do a fun bottle episode to you know uh honor the breakfast club it's not just that it's like it's it's a purpose driven episode where it's like, you need to learn more about these characters and why you should care about them because very shortly they're going to be the only things that you have. It's going to be your life. Deal with it. Yeah. yeah. And also too, it, it signals to me that they really thought Susan was going to matter a lot more than she ended up mattering. Like, cause I think if they'd have had to do it all over again, I don't think Susan would be in this room. I think it would have been Chen instead of Susan. Like, cause Susan ends up really not she just kind of gets lost in the shuffle and doesn't really matter as much as the rest of these characters do but um, it's just a fascinating little window into where we are in the timeline right now and I do think there are a lot of parallels between the characters in the breakfast club and the characters we have in the room here to the extent that I went and matched them all up of course Uh, you did (laughs) and I'm pretty I'm solid on four out of the six the, uh, there's two that I'm flip-flopping on. Uh, the ones that I'm 100% uh, confident in. Gallant is 100% Anthony Michael Hall. Like, mm-hmm. he's the nerd. Yep. Uh, Abby is Judd Nelson. Like, yep. A- Abby's the rebel. She's the one that smokes the cigarette in the episode and, like, wants to – and goes – runs – sneaks out to the snack machine. Uh, Luca is Ali Sheedy. Luca is yeah. 100% the weird kid in the corner. He's even making paper airplanes at one point. Like, mm-hmm. he's just the weird kid in the corner who wants to, like, do his art and be left alone. Yep. Uh, Weaver is the principal, obviously, because she's the one that sent him there. And if they could have gotten away with it, it not being too on the nose, there definitely would have been some scenes of Weaver coming in and, like, checking on them to make sure they were all still there. Don't mess with the bull, young doctors. You'll get the horns. Exactly. If they had done it, like... 
in like one of the lecture halls we'd seen in the hospital. That yes, they like totally the M&M room. Yeah, which, by the way, I love the set for this. I love yes. the set for this yes, episode. Yes, yes. It's phenomenal. It's a very beautiful room. Uh, the two that I can't quite nail down, but there's elements of both in them, are Carter and Susan. And I feel like they are both flip-flopping between Molly Ringwald and Emilio Estevez. Can, I can may, see that. May I? I think Carter is 100% Molly Ringwald in this yeah. with how offended he gets by everything in the beginning. Especially when they I start just... talking about money. When they start yes. talking about money yeah. stuff, he's very Molly Ringwald there. Especially he's like, when he's you like, think I it's didn't so ask easy. for this. Yeah. yeah, he's like, you think it's so easy to grow up rich. Like, yeah. So I, I flip-flop between those two of uh, Molly Ringwald and Emilio Estevez for Susan and Carter. I think there's elements of both in there. But I don't know. I don't know what more to say. I love this episode. I love this episode so much. And I cannot wait to to dig into the rest of it. But all of that aside, um, Abby finds that uh, Luca, Susan Carter and Gallant already there in the lecture room. They're they're here for a sexual harassment seminar. And uh, they're they're very like separated. And so they're in like a, they're in this lecture hall. It's one of those old school college lecture halls where the seats are kind of staggered. Yeah. And they are they're all like very split, very far apart, um, which is another like another little thing in this episode where like, as we learn more about the characters, they get closer and closer together. It's like one of those like visual things where and like, they change they, like orbits. Yeah. They change orbits around each other and they, they start the episode really far apart. And by the end of the episode, they're all clustered together. Um, Carter. So Carter's kind of sitting off by himself, being a little piss baby about getting in trouble, saying that it was all the girls faults and no one will cop to putting the dildo in Weaver's locker, which is what got them all. I, stuck I wish we had thought place. to keep a dildo tally for how many times we say that. This <laughs> how many episode. times they dildo? Dildo supercut coming soon to Patreon. Um, <laughs> and Carter is very, very offended slash appalled at Susan's sense of humor. It's almost like these two have never talked to one another and have no chemistry whatsoever. Or have any idea about what the other one is like as a person? Who knew? I mean, they haven't slept together, so as we will learn. As we will learn, uh, Susan is trying to figure out what the quote is up on the board. They talk about uh, Whitman. Uh, Abby references the movie Fame, which of course stars Paul McCrane. I have to think that the the whole I sing the body electric uh, references yep. here have to be a a direct reference to that. Yep. Uh, Carter's continuing to be a little shithead. Uh, Luca is uh, guessing that the lecturer probably got held up by the snow and that's why he's not here yet and Gallant in true Anthony Michael Hall fashion says that they should stay and just sit in their seats quietly Uh, Carter makes fun of him for finally speaking and uh, Luca says I don't want to come here again next Saturday so (laughs) Uh, and then uh, and then Gallant chides Abby for smoking inside which yeah I, I get it Anyway, uh, Susan proposes that there's actually just a bunch of cameras watching them, that they're actually on basically their version of Survivor. And they actually name drop Survivor, too, mm-hmm. which I don't know why that I don't know why that seems weird to me. But like because it's a CBS show and they name drop it on an they NBC do, show. They, yeah, I don't I don't that is particularly um, odd to hear. But like I, coming with a few other things uh, that come later in the episode, um, they do a lot of like real world referencing in this episode, which they usually don't right? do, or they yeah. or they haven't done a lot of lately. Like they used to do it a lot more when like the Bulls were good, and they would mention mm-hmm. the Bulls occasionally. Um, but like this episode actually does a lot of like referencing of things that are happening in the world right now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
Carter scoffs because, of course, they watch reality TV, but reality TV is going to be the end of the world, LOL, LOL, um, Susan admits to also watching Fear Factor, which she and Abby start to bond over while Carter continues to judge them. And let's go to our second audio clip well, here. But, Carter hold on, before, we, before we go there, I do, I do have to point out, because somebody is going to be mad if I don't, uh, there's another connection there with Fear Factor, uh, Maura Tierney and uh, the man who is actually going to ruin the world through reality TV, uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, they oh. were they were on news radio together, and of course Joe Rogan was the host of Fear Factor at the time. Yep. So, which why couldn't he just have stayed being known as that? Yeah. Why can't he just that's be like why, the Survivor th- guy? Th- and that's just why I still I still years. maintain that news radio is the greatest show ever created because it's the only show in the history of television or human innovation that was able to make both Joe Rogan and Andy Dick likable. Well, there you have it. Uh, but as I was saying, uh, our next audio clip here is Carter being called out by Susan for being a little piss baby. <laughs> I watch television, just not the dehumanizing crap. I mean, seriously, what's next? Televised executions? Bear baiting? Torture channel? What is your problem today? What are you so pissy about? You know what my problem is. You are kidding me. Still? What? You are still mad about that? You know what, John? Grow up. What? Oh, come on. Say it. I spent the night at Mark's night before last, and he won't let it go. I slept on the sofa. I was on the couch. He thinks I slept with Mark. Can we not talk about this here? Several years ago, Mark had a crush on me. Now we're friends. Friends, which is more than I'm going to be able to say about us if you keep it up. All right, yeah, okay. A harmless night spent in a recently single man's apartment who's still desperately in love with you. Mark is not in love with me. Who's recently single? Green. Corday left him. When did that happen? A couple weeks ago. Where was that? It was an emergency. I would not have gone over there if he didn't really need me. Well, if he really needed you. He's a friend. I helped him out. I'm sure you did. I'm not discussing this with you anymore. What kind of emergency? None of your damn business. Are they getting a divorce? I don't think so. You know, when you find out why I was over there, you are going to feel very small. So tell me. Very very smart. So tell me. Abby's been sleeping on my couch. Nothing's happened. <laughs> yeah, I needed a place to stay until I found a new apartment in Luca. So I could stay with him. You're probably more upset about that than my staying at Mark's. What? No. Right. I'm not. Carter's still stuck on it. All right, can we change the subject, please? Uh, now you want to change the subject. Okay, I need to start off with Luca with a very, very quote from a wise man. Uh, Donnie, you are out of your element. Oh, boy. I just love... It's some, and I'm sure it wasn't as jarring uh, with the visuals, but like something about that audio clip of just hearing that that dead air for a second and then going, oh, are they getting divorced? <laughs> like, he's just like... <laughs> It's so good. He's just so fucking clueless, and I love it. Also, I love that Susan's like, no, you're going to feel like a real fucking asshole if you keep pushing this. Like, shut up. you will. Yeah, it will. That's why I think it's so, like, well, I mean, I, I know thing, it changes things, obviously, once he does know the context a little bit. But it, it does make it all the more kind of silly that, like, Carter pretends to, like, take over the mantle of Green when he's got, like, takes his fucking stethoscope and shit. Yeah. And it's like, it's like three episodes, my dude. You thought he was banging your girlfriend. Fuck off. Well, he, well, he does get the, Carter, you set the tone. I guess, so. yeah. 
So he clearly the the mantle has been passed from tone to tone. <laughs> oh man. Oh, this yeah. episode's going to kill us. I, I just love Luca though. Like Abby's been sleeping on my couch. It's fine. Just out of nowhere. <laughs> out of of nothing. You're right though. It's like John Goodman in uh, Big Lebowski. Yeah. He's like, "Luca, you're like a child that wanders, wanders into a movie." Into- <laughs> Wants to know the plot. <laughs> Uh, I just every time he puts his head up and talks, I'm just like, Donnie, think, you're out of your element. I think this is the point too, where he's sitting there making paper airplanes. Yep. Like he's sitting yep. there like folding yeah. paper. Oh yeah, <laughs> full on, just not even really do paying attention uh, too much to anything. Just, uh, I love it. So I much. love it. Carter's an asshole. Susan's right. Luca's a himbo. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, I have to I, just random side note. I have to have find the Venn diagram of what specifically makes a himbo because it's like nice, stupid, and hunky, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's ridiculous. But I I may have to post that on the Discord you, after having this discussion. Can you imagine if he was still on the show? Could you imagine having Doug in this room? Like, could you imagine having <laughs> oh my God. the amount of Clooney chuckling that would be going on in this? In... <laughs> just for oh Mary. Oh my God. Uh. Anyway, uh, Carter, I'm, I'm, I'm moving us on because we'll just sit here all day just laughing at Luca. Uh, Carter tries to talk to Luca about the Bears because, of course, a man will know something about football. And that's all men can talk about when they don't want to talk about their feelings. Uh, but, of course, Luca doesn't watch American football. Luca then politely offers to talk about basketball. He's like, we could talk about the Cubs. I watch the Cubs. Or, you know, we, the I watch basketball. The Thank you. Fuck me. <laughs> Uh, Luca, <laughs> Lauren, so Luca, Lauren knows less about Chicago basketball than the Croatian. Anyway, no. So Luca's like, yeah, we can talk, you know, we can talk about basketball. And Carter's like, no, the Bulls suck and goes into his newspaper, which he steals from Luca. Honestly, that's one of the underrated uh, subplots and continuity things about ER is that it spans this entire, it, it spans both ends. Well, no, I mm-hmm. guess it, I guess it missed the, it was, it debuted, I think, while Jordan was retired the first time, but so there, it was it was on for the entirety of their um, their second dynasty, their second mm-hmm. three-peat. It was on for the entirety of them being fucking terrible in the early 2000s, like when yep. they were just dog shit. And it ends right when they draft uh, Derrick Rose, who if, they, who if he hadn't gotten hurt, would have probably been the guy to bring the Bulls back to prominence. So. <sighs> it was pretty exciting to watch them during that time, not going to lie. And I don't give a prob- shit about and basketball. And it was probably very cheap to watch them and get tickets to them during this time, 2002. Uh, but then Abby asks about Gallant's military service. And Daniel, before we get to the point you put in here, um, we learn he's in the reserves and like he could be called up whenever. And Susan goes, isn't that really scary with everything going on over there? Yeah. So this is the first time. And I, I didn't really like appreciate this as I was watching it. It wasn't until I, I was reading like some reviews of the episode and I was reading some you know, message board type things. And like, this is the first time that the show actually acknowledges the ongoing war on terror. Like this is the first time that like, they have kind of let, uh, let these characters experience some of the same things that are happening in the real world. Like they, obviously we talked a lot about it at the, at the beginning of the season. Like they, they, they kind of went out of their way to be like, we're not going to talk about nine 11. Like, and now it's like, it's become such a thing of like, we can't ignore this anymore. It's going to be a plot point. It's going to be a thing that kind of bleeds in eventually to a 
great degree with Gallant. So it's like we kind of like start talking about it here. And I just thought it was like an interesting thing of like there you can see where like they have realized that they can't just pretend that this isn't happening anymore. Like they have to kind of let the real world into the world of County General a little bit. Kind of like Gray's with COVID. I would imagine that probably was the case. Yes. It's really, I mean, it's, yeah. Gray's smacked you over the head with COVID yeah. during the, during season 17. But anyway, um, yeah, Gallant says, I wish, like, they're like, wow, that's, you know, really brave. And he goes, yeah, I wish they'd give me a gun and put me someplace I could use it. Just Red flag, red flag. But coming from Gallant, it's not as terrible as it could be. Like, you almost trust him to have as noble intentions as you possibly could in that situation. Like, to him, to him, it's just defending country. He's not like, yeah, I want to shoot people. That's not how I read it. But anyway, uh, we learned that Luca served in the military in Croatia because it was uh, mandatory for all men to serve. And Abby's brother is an air traffic controller in the Air Force. Cool, cool. And then we learned that Gallant's whole family is military, except for his twin sister who teaches Head Start. And uh, I can't remember. Carter says, like, oh, but that makes her the black sheep of the family. But she's a reject. And Gallant's like, no, she has cerebral palsy. She can't serve. Burr, burr, burr. You this dick. is just the episode of Carter putting his foot. I told like, you he's like he's like gagging on his like gagging on his kneecap at this point. <laughs> I told you with how far he's this this stuck episode his foot down his th- this, in his mouth. this episode telegraphs the the next two years like very well. Like Carter's gonna be a dick. He's him and Luca are gonna be like arguing over Abby. Abby mentions her brother being in the Air Force, which is going to be a plot point that comes up. We get Gallant's military service. Like, there's so many things in this episode that get paid off over the next two seasons. They really are just kind of laying out the roadmap for you. Um, We do get here uh, one of the more egregious uh, examples of family continuity uh, fuck-ups this side of Luca. It's not it's not quite as bad as Luca's backstory and it's uh, many twists and turns. Uh, but Gallant's twin sister here does later on change both names and illnesses. Uh, in this episode, yes. her name is Susan and she suffers from cerebral palsy. Uh, when we meet her later on, her name is Valerie and she suffers from multiple sclerosis. So, hey. hey. And sleeps with Pratt. Oh yeah, that happens too. Um, Was it Pratt? Wait. Yeah, I, think, I think it was Pratt, yeah. Fucked if I know. Uh, but then Gallant asks Susan what her dad does, and I love Susan's response. Oh, he's a test pilot for Barca Lounger. And um, <laughs> she goes on to say, like, he's trying to have uh, hot, the world record for cholesterol break it over 400. He'll do it or he'll die trying. And Gallant, like, kind of starts to laugh and then goes, oh, wait, that's probably not funny. Um, <laughs> and we learn Luca's dad is a painter who paints abstracts, and he has a train conductor, or he is a train conductor as his day job. Cool, Hell cool, yeah. cool. Uh, yes, we we stand transit I, in this house. Yeah, because I love public transit. So uh, anyone who works in public transit is a hero to me. And they're like, "Oh, you know, Abby, what does your dad do?" And Abby's like, "I have no fucking clue what he's doing." <laughs> cool. Um, and then, oh god, this conversation. Susan says that Carter's dad's job is spending the family trust fund, and that Carter is loaded. And he Carter clearly starts to get uncomfortable about this discussion. Abby asks how much he's worth or how much his family is, which harkens back to, I believe, season one when the nurses found mm-hmm. out and they were all trying to figure it out. Um, back when his dad's name and, was Roland. Yes. And he's so rich, he doesn't even know how much his family's worth, even at 31. And he's like, and I can't remember if it's Abby or Susan, but one of them goes, how has no one snapped you up yet? 
and I love his his clap back is oh we come in we come with a built-in gold digger alarm grandmother has them installed at birth um but yeah they keep asking like hey is it one million is it 10 million is it half a million and he just he never answers but uh Susan teases Carter about how rich he is and Carter gets really uncomfortable and stressed he's like I didn't ask for this I didn't ask to be born into it you know you guys don't know how it is he has his Molly Ringwald moment yep Mm mm-hmm uh, but we learned that uh, the reason they're all still waiting here is because their instructor is having car trouble, but theoretically is still on the way. So the, the waiting continues. Uh, we then come back from, I believe, commercial to uh, Carter fussing with a storage closet uh, to see what's in there. Abby comes back in, having raided the vending machine for everyone. And uh, Carter is busy trying to break into the said storage room now with his credit card. Uh, Luca then explains waiting for Godot to Susan in the most like eloquent, matter of fact way possible. You know, like, as if I could not love Luca more. Like, and the the delivery on this is exquisite. Like, I want to know how many takes they had him do for this because, like, I part of me feels like this was a one take where he they just let him go and he just did it and it was perfect and they were like, you know what, we don't need to do it anymore. Um. He sums it up by saying, life is an empty, hollow exercise filled with pain, sorrow, and grief, and the only thing we can expect in our lives is our own inevitable death. And then he, It's my own life philosophy. And then he just, Christ, Lizzie. Then he takes like the most casual sip of his soda after he says, <laughs> how can you not love this episode? Like, how can you not, like... I, I I said it in the group chat the other day. Like, not only is this episode fantastic, but like I would even go so far as to say that if you don't love this episode, I don't think you're paying attention because like yeah. there's so many things to love about this episode. It is very dense. It yeah. is dense, yeah. That's that's, that's what I said point. when I was like when I was trying to do the notes, I was like, I don't know how we're gonna break this. Well, yeah, because it's all exposition, it's all dialogue, it's all just them in a room together talking and um Carter says mentions that he would be worried about going to Croatia for fear of being blown up and Lucas says that it's very safe now clearly offended by what Carter has said and then Carter bites back with then why are you here which is which again a plus clap back from Luca though where he just thinks about it for a second and he goes barbecue yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then has like a moment it has like a moment between him and gallant where like they bond over like some plate some restaurant or something uh carson's it was a really big uh rib chain in the chicagoland area in the 90s See? and aughts but they're pretty much all gone it's because yeah it's because luca moved to boston clearly obviously and then uh susan asked how luca got into weaver's locker and he insisted it wasn't him he says it wasn't him. Uh, Carter says she's accusing the rest of them to avoid suspicion of herself. And Gallant explains that body electric was about slavery. And let's uh, we find out that both Abby and Gallant were Engli- both English lit majors. And then we have this lovely discussion about classism and roles in the ER. I uh, minded an English lit at Howard. Oh, yeah, I was English lit. Where? Penn State. Really? You went to Penn State? Yes, what did you assume I went to community college because I'm a nurse? No, I didn't mean that. I think you did mean that. You did it before, too, about the poem. It's all right, it's all of you, all doctors. You all think you're smarter than nurses because you have an MD. Don't drag me into this, okay? <laughs> I, I don't assume that. Well, you're still a med student. You'll learn how to become condescending and dismissive. It's a test job to take before you can graduate. <laughs> I got an A. You got an A+. Plus. Does anybody have a pen knife or anything like that? I don't think that's true of all doctors. Sure it is. 
It's a class thing. It's part of the educational caste system we have in this country. Ha! Like Karl Marx went in a fashion with black leather trench coats. And the collapse of central planning. You all look down on Galant's family because they're military. Like there's something vaguely pathetic about volunteering to defend our liberties with their lives for crappy pay. Oh, it's true. I don't feel that way. Really? I quit med school halfway through my third year. I was second in my class when I quit. Second? So why'd you quit? See, that's what I mean. You can't imagine why anybody wouldn't want to be you. They tossed you out because your ex-husband didn't pay your tuition. Yeah, but I chose not to go back. Halfway through your third year? Why not finish? Hell, you were over the hard part. It was just starting to get fun. Because I realized I was proud of what I do. I make a difference in my patients' lives. But you can do so much more as a doctor. No, see, that's where you're wrong. I would be doing less as a doctor. And you guys don't get to spend any time with your patients. How many do you see a day? 30, 40? I mean, you don't get to hold a little kid's hand or teach a new mother how to nurse. How many patients do you have to see in a day? 10, maybe 12. And I'm not running around all day trying to clear the board. I made a choice. You just can't understand it because it's not one that you would have chosen. I can't believe you won't let me smoke this. I got it. Great. Now we're felons. Sorry, had to include that's, that last bit in there. No, it's, great it's, it's so good. I there's so many great line reads in this sh- in this oh episode. Yeah. I, I feel like everybody is like putting out full steam ahead on this episode. Like everybody's on their A game this episode. Um, I kind of like so some people and we got so many listener responses for this episode, and so like I the the ones that are in here are, are very abridged, and like I, I took what I could so that Lauren wouldn't kill me. Um, but like somebody and i don't remember if it's one of the ones i grabbed or not but somebody pointed out how abby's thing here ends up being kind of a retcon like that they she kind of goes on this like impassioned thing about the importance of being a nurse and and how it's you know it's just as good if not better than being a doctor it's a little bit of echoes of the carol thing like it's a little bit of echoes of like um them ultimately abandoning carol going to medical school and keeping her as a nurse and I don't know that I really see it that way because I really see it more as her um, – it's it's a lot of it, it – you do lose a lot of it in the the visuals of not seeing her kind of like fumbling around with the cigarette and trying to, to fuck with it. But I, I noticed it a lot more in the audio this time because I had to focus on the audio – that she's not confident in what she's saying there. Like that, there was a lot of like a, a lot of that whole spiel felt like her trying to convince herself that that was what she wanted bit. and that that was true. Not to say that it's wholesale, not, but it, like I just do, I do feel like that's a little bit. Again, this whole episode is about telegraphing. This whole episode is them telegraphing all the things they're going to do for the next two years, and like. I feel like this is another one of them or I feel like this is them going like, yeah, like we're going to pretend like we're going to do the same Carol bullshit over again just with a new character. But actually, no, we're not. We are going to have this one. We're going to we're going to follow through this time and we're going to do it in a very we're going to like set the set the pieces in motion here in a very like subtle way. I also disagree that it's. That it would be a retcon. Yeah. And retcon might not might not be the right word, but. People can change their minds. People, and it's not like she does this like tomorrow right. or something. Like she snaps right back to it. Like it'll be a couple seasons before we see Doctor uh, Doctor Abby Lockhart. And but. I will also say you did get that response. I saw it further down. Okay. Yeah. So we we do have the additional notes on that. Um. Yeah. Just. Just I lo- I just love it. I can't believe you won't let me smoke this. <laughs> oh great, we're all felons. Cool. Yeah. 
Great. Now we're felons. Just everybody's so quippy, and That's I That's such it, an but, Anthony um, Michael Hall line, too. Like, you could see mm-hmm. that character saying that in the <laughs> in Breakfast Club. Also, just the, the slight na- nod to the classism discussion here is great, too. She's like, no, you're all bullshit. Yeah. Come on. I would have, um, it would have been way too on the nose uh, for it, but uh, when, just before the clip, when Susan goes into in on Luca and is like, are you the one to put him in the locker? I desperately want Luca to do the Ali Sheedy thing where he just squeaks and then puts his head down on the desk and covers yes. his head with. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but then, as Carter has broken into the storage locker, he finds fencing gear. Storage room, not storage locker. He finds fencing gear. We learn that he and Luca both fenced. Luca learned while he was acting, and Carter learned in school because, of course, he did. Uh, they just, like, without a word, everybody else just clears the front of the room so the boys have room to fence. Like, it's just nicely choreographed. They're backing out with the with the fencing foils, and everybody else is moving the desks. And um, Susan goes, do you think they're trying to impress us? And Abby says, if they are, it's not working. Uh, yeah, this is the biggest dick-waving contest in the history of cinema right here. Um, Susan learns that Abby and Carter never slept together, and that was a rumor that Carter had started. Gross. And she confirms that yeah, she... Yeah, what the fuck, Carter? Yeah, they really yeah, casually she... dropped that. Yeah. Yeah, can we yeah, Can we just can we sit, stay on that for just a moment? And Abby's like, oh, yeah, what that's a absolute... rumor he started. Like, she's not yeah. even offended by it. She's just going, yeah, that's some bullshit. Just absolutely what in the fuck, Carter? I swear, this man is an incel. I'm, I'm, I am, I am staying on the, I'm staying on this. This is my new fan theory is that Carter's actually friendship ended with Carter MD. Uh, John Carter incel is my new mortal enemy. Yes. Yep. And uh, Susan confirms that she has not slept with him either after they've been kind of dating for a few months. And Abby goes, whoa, that's way past the second date rule where, you know, her friend says, if you don't, you should sleep with somebody by the second date because otherwise you're just wasting time with them if the sex isn't good. And Susan goes, well, I'm not sure if Carter and I have chemistry. (laughs) Meta. Meta line. Meta line. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, This episode completely vacuums out any chemistry they might have had, in my opinion, even. like I was pro Carter and Susan up until this episode. This whole episode is practically John Wells walking in front of the camera, looking dead into the camera the entire time, smiling with a broom, just sweeping Susan. Just sweeping whatever remains of Susan and Carter off the screen and just being like, sorry, let me clean this mess up. but I like how they do it. We'll get into that. Uh, Luca hurts Carter's wrist, which only makes Carter want to fight harder. Uh, this has quickly not become all in good fun. Uh, Carter then whaps Luca on the top of the head, so Luca slashes him across the face. So then Carter just football tackles Luca, and everybody like breaks him up. Susan goes to clean Carter up, and Abby cleans Luca up. And I, I have no idea. I have to believe there's a little bit of in, in, of. Uh, intention there just because Noah Wiley is such a good physical comedian but pardon my French that was the most pussy ass rich white boy tackle I have ever seen (laughs) like (laughs) him running full speed and trying to tackle the large Croatian man was the most pussy ass shit I've ever seen like he looked so pathetic in that moment yes uh, but what does Lucas say here, Daniel? Oh, so as they're um, as as they they're being separated and they're going off to their various corners, as Luca is uh, being helped down to the the desk by Abby, he mutters something in Croatian, uh, which I discovered through translation uh, translates to "that little asshole is a jerk." <laughs> nice. Um, 
And Carter goes, he was trying to kill me. To which Susan responds, it looked like it was mutual. You're not the victim here. Well, she doesn't say you're not the victim here, but she goes, it looks like it was mutual. Basically telling him to shut up like he started Rich it. Pe- Wait, Lauren, rich people thinking they're the victim when they're really not? Lizzie, stop it. Uh, then Susan says that, you know, she goes, I can have Abby come check on you instead. And he's like, what? And then she just, just kisses him full on. Just, he goes, what was that for? And she goes, just checking. Already looks a little sad here. Yeah. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah, you can practically like see the Spider-Man it Spider-Man Yeah. She's like, oh, this is, this is not great. <laughs> He's such a little bitch here, too. Like, just like, oh, oh, do I need stitches? And she's like, you barely need a Band-Aid. Shut up. Like, he's just... Yeah. This is, more. I think, more than her realizing they don't have chemistry. I think this is her realizing she was dating a 22-year-old. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. The the, the maturity level difference between the two of them is very, very clear. Because the whole episode, it's Carter thinking he's so much holier than thou than Susan, when really the whole time he's just got to stick up his ass, yeah. and she's like, this dude is a baby. Yeah. Oh, God. Clearly, Reyna was more Carter's speed as well. here. Blah. Uh, so then everybody has moved off to their different corners, keeping themselves busy. Uh, Susan looks over at Gallant, asking him how he got Weaver's combination, so she's now... Uh, now shifted her focus onto Gallant that it must have been him. And he insists that it was not him. And Susan then talks a little bit about why she moved back to Chicago. And she says, bitter cold and overcast skies better suit my temperament. <laughs> I So this, this is the one part of the episode that really frustrates me is that the, I really like the version of Susan in this episode. I really like yeah. this version of the character. This, to me, feels like the... Five years later, mature version of season three, Susan. This feels like the most authentically organic um, evolution of the season one through three, Susan. And for whatever reason, they just don't like they they either they couldn't or they didn't want to capitalize on the momentum. I feel like this episode builds for her character because I really really like this version of the the character in this episode. It just doesn't really it, it doesn't really last unfortunately um she says that she left because of a relationship with a cowboy that was just too much chemistry so uh gallant then asks luca about his time serving in the army and luca just kind of uh does his luca thing you know and is like it's not what you think it is noble romantic a crucible on which on which to test your manhood and i think it's here where gallant says like i'm not that naive or something like that or i'm not yeah that's not going to be me and i was like oh honey like (laughs) but 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 it is though like they're (laughs) they're telegraphing every fucking thing in this episode Mm -hmm. all we're missing is neela anyway let's go to our uh next audio clip here uh y'all ready for discussing about about virginity sure that's what i want my ertv show let's go for it luca how old were you when you became a man what when you lost your virginity how old were you Come on, we're playing a game. How old? I don't want to play. Oh, come on. We made a bet which one of the five of us was the first to lose their virginity. Who'd you pick? Not telling. I picked Kovac. No, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Luca. I don't want to play. I told you they wouldn't want to play. All right, I'll go first. I was 16. Howie Thomas. <laughs> he was on the lacrosse team. What's wrong with what? Howie. What's wrong with Howie? He sounds like a plumber. <laughs> so 
I was terrified. So was he. It was the longest 20 seconds of my life. <laughs> 20 seconds? Yeah, if you count a foreplay. <laughs> okay. My turn. Mark Green. No, no. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, Carter. Floyd Walker, I was 15. Floyd? <laughs> I can't believe you gave him a hard time about Howie. In the shed behind his father's radiator repair shop. Very romantic. The smell of antifreeze still turns me on. Delant. You don't need their approval. Come on, give it up. <clears throat> OK, um, Tanya McBride in the balcony of our church after choir practice. Wow. Your church? <laughs> yeah, I know. How old? Let's see, I was in ninth grade, so I was about 14. All right, we have a new leader. Carter. Come on. Oh my God, you're still a virgin. I was 11. 11 years old? Really? How old is she? I don't know, 25. You're kidding me. <laughs> oh my gosh. She was one of the maids. Did you pay her? My parents did. To have sex with you. To be a maid. <laughs> Hope you gave her a hell of a Christmas bonus. All right. Luca, 11. It's going to be very tough to beat. Come on, you don't have to say how old you are. Just confirm you're older than 11, and we can award the prize to Carter. I get a prize? Don't let your imagination run away with you. My wedding night. I lost my virginity on my wedding night. It's okay, it's a good memory. I hadn't thought about that in years. We were very young and um, she was religious, so we waited. We loved each other very much. Yeah, isn't isn't Carter being molested super super fun, you guys? Because that's what that was. That's what that, that is. is. Yeah. That's sexual that's... assault at that point. And here come the pretzels. Like, there's a lot of cute. There's a lot of cute, funny things in there. That is not one of them. Yeah, Abby, which Susan. like, yeah, right. I feel like I feel like they missed the point of this uh, whole scene. Like, they there was something really powerful and really impressive that they could have done with this scene and then they chose to go in the opposite direction and it's very strange because like the beginning is very fun and playful and like they do the whole thing or whatever and I think maybe if they'd have done Luca's little bit first uh you know have the like oh the, because I think clearly I think that they think that that's like the like emotional crux of this scene is like oh isn't that sweet like they waited until marriage like that's like it's a yeah. little bit of like purity culture in there where it was just like they, they just they're really focused on that when in reality like I feel like the most shocking and 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 incredible revelation in this scene is of course Carter's and like there should have been a build to that like it should have been like you know um Luca tells his story or whatever and then they go back to needling Carter it's like all right Carter we've all done it like come on come on and then he just like out with it like he's just like all right like yeah you want to know here's what fucking happened and it's really fucking traumatic and like I'm still dealing with it and like yeah would it have been kind of a weird out of left field revelation to happen sure and but at least like 
give it the gravity it deserves. Don't have Abby and Susan immediately start giggling like fucking idiots. And yeah, that that makes me so yeah. mad. Yeah, and like have everybody making fucking jokes about it. Like the whole thing is just like it's like somebody again in one of the listener responses pointed out like if the genders were reversed, would this be treated as a joke? No. No, absolutely, absolutely not. not. So, like, why is this one treated as a joke? And I feel like, I would hope anyway that, like, if you asked John Wells about it, I think this would be probably something that he would say, like, if I could have one thing back from this episode and if I could take one thing back and fix it, it would probably be this. Like, because this is such a glaring... And this is not even, like, us being, like, overly sensitive millennials. Like, it's just, like, this, this is, like fucked up and it was fucked up then like it's not like the the standards have changed so much in 20 years like no this is just fucked up and it treats it as a joke and and not only does it treat it as a joke but it pushes it aside to then glorify to then pivot and glorify luca's whole you know thing of like oh we waited until our wedding night or whatever like it's just it 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 sends a weird message there's just a lot there yeah but I, I'm, I will admit, I'm a sucker for Lucas' story. Oh, though. absolutely! No, for sure. I just, I just, I just get so mad at Susan and Abby here because, like, for so much of the episode, it's like, yeah, okay, you know, the girls are bonding and shit's fine and whatever. But then here, it just takes, you know, like them shitting on Carter too far. Like, yeah, Susan, I know you're mad at him, but that's not how you react to yeah. this situation. I mean, go not to not to do it again, but like drawing, going back and drawing those Breakfast Club parallels. Like, think about that scene in breakfast club where they're all sitting around uh uh off to the side they're all sitting on the floor like in a circle and they're all telling stories about what got them uh put in detention and then you eventually come around to anthony michael hall and he finally just like blows up and is like yeah i brought a fucking gun to school like what like because i was gonna fucking kill myself like it, it it's you could have had that same moment here with carter with this revelation and and yeah it seems in if you keep it at surface level it seems like an out of left field revelation for this character you'd be like well, that's a weird thing to bring up but then you think about it and actually it kind of makes sense and it kind of explains why his relationships are always fucked up and he like has it makes weird sense. attitude towards women and like it's just all of that stuff makes so much more sense when you realize oh shit he was molested and like and and to just see that it was right there in front of them and they just were like yeah no fuck it let's just you know make a joke out of it uh, it's my one major major yeah, flaw. It's the it's the one that thing prevents it from being a true ten out of yes. ten out ten out of ten. One, for me. It's the one and only thing that keeps this episode from being perfect for me is that they completely fumbled the bag on this moment. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Susan asks Luca what plays he was in, and oh, Luca was in Hamlet, and of course Carter was also in Hamlet. Oh, Carter played Horatio, but of course Luca played Hamlet. So. <laughs> uh, they're like, oh, they're like, wait, did you do it in English? And he's like, why the fuck, why the fuck would we do it in English? Like, we, I grew up in Croatia. Not <laughs> anyway. Uh, but let's uh, let's go to a little audio here. Uh, let's see, let's who does it better, Carter or Luca? You be the you be the judge. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind's eye to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them. That's the easy part. To die, to sleep, no more. 
and buy a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural sh shocks. To die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream. Aye, there's the rub. To kakav san nas čeka u tišini smrti. To je ono što trpne našu strpljivom, tako čini, jer tko bi podnio bić i klatno vremena, slučinstva silnika, preziroholica, bol, neuzvraćene ljubavi, bezobzirnost vlasti, sporost pravde, kad bi sam uzmogao sve to riješiti tek jednim, jedinim ubodom. Be all my sins remembered. So who wore it better? Uh, I'm just gonna say, Carter gives out big theater kid energy here, oh, yeah. and like Luca's, like we might not know what the fuck he's saying, but his just sounds better on principle. Yeah, if we're talking, if we're talking yes. about characters, then definitely, obviously, Luca. But uh, I will say that the skill of acting badly well is one that shouldn't go, uh, shouldn't go unrecognized. Like no, oh absolutely. Like I, like I think I mentioned this in the live episode where. Genie has to look flustered in front of the camera and do it in a convincing way and do it live like that's a skill in and of itself like ha having the ability to be on camera as an actor you are a good actor you know how to act but act like you don't know how to act and do it without looking like you're trying to look badly that, that that's <laughs> a skill in and of itself and that's kind of what Noah Wiley pulls off here is that like he's a good actor but he's doing this hamlet impression as shitty carter who's not a great actor and, and clearly is inferior to luca in the acting department so it, it's I, I give a little bit of props to him on that for being able to pull that off convincingly it's the paul rudden forgetting sarah marshall no do no yeah, do more do, <laughs> no, 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 no that's too much, much. Do, do, less. do less no that's not enough do more yeah it's <laughs> it, it's and then luca i mean just completely takes it to 10 like when he when he drifts into the croatian because it's easier and it's just it just like comes pouring out of him and you can see and so like uh shout out to drew uh our buddy drew who um pointed out in our uh listener response thread he pointed out that this scene is in here very intentionally because goran vishnik before coming on to er was best known for playing hamlet uh oh. uh in croatia and yeah, Jailed. so that that was like a big part of why this scene is is here, and twofold thing here. And Noah Wiley has basically said in interviews in the past that part of the reason why he was so intimidated by Goran Vishnik coming on the show was because of his Shakespearean background and his like his like all his accolades from stage work. So like. There's an element of reality to this scene here. There's an element of like Noah being a little bit threatened by Gor not to say that, that that what was happening in this scene was happening between these two guys. That's not what I'm really suggesting, but just like there is a little bit of history behind the scene. Like and there is a little bit of like uh what it, what is happening between Carter and Luca here might have also at another point in time because I think by this point they had started to he had started to get over his bullshit a little bit, but just like the the at one point in time, Noah Wiley, with the idea of a guy like Gordon Vishnik having such a, a 
uh, pedigree for stage acting, he found that really intimidating. And you can see why, because like, holy shit, like, dude, just like, it just, the charisma just like oozes out of him. Yeah, I told Lizzie, I was like, we need to get that audio clip. I don't care that he's not speaking English. We got to put that in there. Oh, yeah, 100%. I would have been upset if it wasn't. Sorry, I almost didn't get it today. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's so good. Um, so yeah, uh, then just briefly, the lecturer does finally show up. Uh, one of our only other people in this episode that isn't the central cast, uh, and uh, he is played by actor Stuart Skelton, who appears in stuff like Failure to Launch, Mank, and Criminal Minds. And just like the Gimp at the very beginning of the episode, he has a hundred and eight credits exactly to his name. I, I definitely thought you just misspelled monk, and I was like, hit mank. No, it's, it's something called mank. I don't know what it is, but it's... Eight. Anyway, uh, let's go to our the last scene of the episode and our, also our final audio clip. Uh, they're all free. Yay. They're all done. Happy times. Hey, it stopped snowing. It's about time. Anybody need a ride? I got my car. I'm on in 20 minutes. You working tonight? Yeah, me too. Well, that was fine. Let's try to never do it again. You wanted to give you a lift to the hospital? Just a couple of blocks. Go on a walk, Mary. Sure. Have your keys? Yeah, I'll try not to wake you when I come in. See you guys later. I had fun talking. We should have coffee sometime. Sure, I would love that. Ready? Yep. Good night. She's pretty great. Abby, I didn't really know her before. I didn't think I'd like her, but I do. You want to get something to eat? I'm starving. You know, you really made a fool of yourself today. What? If you're worried about Abby living with Luca, don't be. I don't think anything's going on. How did I make a fool out of myself? Well, you participated in a duel, for one thing. (laughs) Kiss me. Just kiss me. Was it there for you? It's nice. Wasn't there for me either. Okay, go before I change my mind. Sure. I regret it already. You know, that gold digger alarm should be clanging like a school bell. This isn't because Mark Green just suddenly became available, is it? You know what I said you're making a fool of yourself while well, you're doing it again? You should tell her. Or what? That you're desperately in love with her and can't live a moment without her. Really? <laughs> you're hopeless. You'll figure it out. Friends? No, I hate you. Hey. I used to have Weaver's locker. She never changed the combination. It was you. A. Love that love that smooth jazz. <laughs> love that smooth that smooth beat. Um B 
Daniel's long national nightmare is finally over. Hey, and, and this is I love them the most here. Like I, I've never been, I've never been yeah. so charmed by two people breaking up. Like this is this this right? is as much as I've despised the relationship, the breakup is incredibly sweet. I love their breakup. Yes, because it makes sense. Yeah, with the with the, with the the slight exception, which I will forgive because it is clearly you know it's just written that way because the writers want to go in that direction. I don't like that she's like just go you know go be with Abby, which it's like, eh, eh. no, that's a horrible idea, but. I will for <laughs> that's not the yeah, solution. I will here. forgive that because it's just it's clearly just written that way because that's the way they've decided they're going, not because it's the right choice. I mean, the solution they don't have the solution the true solution, which is for Carter to go to Africa on a humanitarian mission and yeah. marry an they African woman. Or no, she's not. She's not she's, African. She's French, I think. French, yeah. She's French, yeah. But yeah, it's just uh, a picture perfect way to i i for i had this was the part of the episode that i remembered the least was the ending and so when i watched it i was entranced like everything about this ending is so lovely like the setting with the snow and the music and the back like the they're on the, the they're on what's obviously like the warner back lot um and you just get this lovely little back and forth between Carter and Susan and I love the line from Susan where he's like you know Carter's like Are we stay friends and she's like immediately no I hate, no, you. I hate you like it's just it, it's so good and so the only thing missing is like as Carter's walking away he needs to put the fist up like Judd Nelson like that's the that's the only fucking thing missing I, I 10 out of 10 what like, with well no sorry 9 out of t- 9 nine, out, of nine out of 9 out of nine. 10 because of the rape but <laughs> yeah 9 out of 10 it's a it drags down a yeah. whole point because that's it's that's egregious. a huge it, it is egregious and if you would if you were able to go back and fix that i think you would have a 100% 10 out of 10 in conversation for best episode of the series type of episode yes yep I for also... a very very different reason than all in the family which i appreciate that the show could right. get you a show that can exactly. do both exactly yes get you a show that can do both Lauren, I, I, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. You. The other thing I wanted to note with that clip, though, uh, I agree. Nine out of ten. Great. No notes. But the other thing with that clip is, I love that if it was any other characters than Susan and Abby, who we know so well, when they say, "Oh, I really enjoyed talking to you today. We should get coffee sometime." Any other show that would read as insincere and terrible, but with these two, it's like, no, they actually really bonded and like they're legitimately like, "Yeah, we should hang out," and I love that. Yeah. And they become friends and they yeah. go out. And yeah, yeah uh, a what a, just what an episode! I just this is this is one of those episodes just, that I just want to like wrap myself up in in a, like a blanket. Like I just want to just like drink it all in, just soak it all in. I could wa- I could watch this episode every day for the rest of my life and never get tired of it. I love it. Good, I'm glad. Let the listeners think about it though, Lauren. After she's my, done no, my laughing. brain just went. The real secrets and lies were the dildos we found along the way. <laughs> it's very, hey. it is very rare that Lauren is the most chaotic on an episode. It's very rare that that one of Lizzie or I is required to be the voice of reason. <laughs> I'm done. Okay, uh, listeners, anything but letting me talk anymore. Uh, Sophie A says this episode always felt like I was watching a play. I loved how it showcased all these different characters and kept them all in the same room. From remembering the Shakespeare monologue to the fencing, every actor had their moments to shine. But I agree with the previous comment. Luca and Carter having a pissing match throughout was a bit of a letdown. 
Haley Kay says, This is another one of my favorites. It being a bottle episode is so fun and fascinating to me how they were able to do so much with a limited space. I love watching Susan and Abby's friendship grow here. I used a lot of the scenes in the classroom for an acting competition in high school, and my group actually won an award for it. Um, Daniel, I will let you know when I need to tap out. Next up is, I'm so sorry, I'm going to say Eileen. Yell at us if we're wrong in the next listener responses, but Eileen M. says, I know that a lot of ER fans love this episode. I hate it. This bottle episode is an obvious ER version of the 80s high school movie, The Breakfast Club, which has been done by quite a lot of TV shows, by the way. It's pathetic when adults, especially medical professionals, act like high school teens. You would think they're used to seeing stuff over the years, yet when they notice a bag with sex attributes, they act like they're first-year med students, or less than that, there's act like first year med students, or less than that. I would have loved to see Frank under that mask, though. Yes, the episode does give some insight to the characters, mostly to Carter, who's the pride and deep seated in whose pride and deep seated insecurities make him look like a cranky toddler in this episode. Yeah, he did embarrass himself. Why would Abby even want to date him after this? Also stupid. Abby asking Luca how old he was when he lost his virginity. That's quite a question to drop when you're with your colleagues, and it's especially ironic since they're attending a sexual harassment seminar. Fair point. Carter tells he lost his virginity to the maid when he was 11, and the maid was about 25. Now that is disturbing, and this would be considered statutory rape. However, the others are not too concerned about it, and Abby, Susan and Abby joke about it. Susan, man, she's been annoying. Carter repeatedly attempts to make clear that being born with a silver spoon in his mouth doesn't equal happiness, but Susan has no compassion. Well, I'm not too surprised because she didn't seem empathetic either when he told her about the stabbing and subsequent fentanyl addiction. Don't don't even get me started on that sword fight. The only good thing about this episode is that Susan and Carter finally put their relationship out of this misery. I'll agree 75-25 on that one, but that is an excellent, excellent take on this episode. Uh, Lori O says, I overall enjoy the acting in this episode every time I've watched it. However, the revelation that Carter lost his virginity at 11 to a 25-year-old maid just ruins it for me. How did any professional put that line in a script and have it just be treated by the characters, medical professionals, as no biggie, woohoo, you stud Carter, putrid. When on the same network on a different night, Olivia Benson would be locking someone up for doing what that maid did. Way to go, NBC. Excellent. Excellent point. At Doc Jen says, this is one of my favorite episodes of television ever, so I'll start with what I loved. Number one, Abby waking up on Lucas' couch after he's grinding coffee so loudly it would wake the dead. It's a sweet scene between them, and the chemistry is very obviously still there. I loved him checking her eye. It's just so caring and loving. God, I love these. It- or God, I hate these idiots. <laughs> just, I auto-corrected. I auto-filled. <laughs> Uh, two, Luca getting the chance to one-up Carter for once. I still giggle over the Hamlet exchange. Three, the fencing. I give zero shits if it's out of place and out of character. I love it. On to what I hated. One, Carter. From beginning to end, he's a petulant child. He's jealous of Susan and Mark, as well as Abby and Luca. Grow up, dude. Why do you think you deserve all the women, and why are people okay with his attitude towards them? Uh, it's almost like he was molested as a child and has, uh... <laughs> has fucked up feelings towards women because of it uh two agreed about his rape that's wrong anyway you cut it it's not studly or manly which i think was the intention it's horrible and wouldn't be the last time the show played sexual assault off as something else big fail huge also true 
Number three, the dildo in Carrie's locker wrong on every level, and I'm not at all surprised it was Carter. Number four, Susan encouraging Carter to go for Abby. Just why? Other than forcing Carter into yet another relationship void of chemistry, and he treats his partner like trash. But overall, this is a fantastic episode that gives us great insight into Lucas, Susan, Abby, and Michael. I really enjoy episodes like this. Uh, at Jamie H says, so very excited that we finally come to Secrets and Lies. My all-time favorite ER episode from the morning scene at Luca's apartment to the homoerotic fencing match to the birth of Susan and Abby's friendship. First things first, dear Abby, how, how do you even see a choice between Luca and Carter? Carter is such a whiny baby throughout this whole episode. No wonder Abby's popping aspirin in the first five minutes. And what's with the weird obsession with opening the storage closet? Compared to Luca's adorable paper airplanes, wedding night virginity memories, and Hamlet recitation, yeah, recitations. I'm drunk. Um, you also just you, you can also just backpedal to the scene where she wakes up at Luca's and lets him examine her eye. She seems totally comfortable and accepting of his concern for her. Compared to the previous episode where we saw her backing away from Carter's questions in the ambulance bay. P.S. The way Carter shrinks down in his chair after Luca recites the Hamlet monologue is just perfect and I love it. Other random thoughts. I love Abby's speech about her pride in nursing. Kind of a shame that they abandoned that in a couple years, but hey, I get it. They gotta carry out the Carol storyline at some point. Daniel, this was the comment yes. I believe you were referring to earlier. And Fear Factor shout out. A strange intermingling of worlds, seeing as Maura Tierney and Joe Rogan starred together on news radio just a few years prior to this. As much as I can't stand Rogan, that little scene always made me giggle. The lack of continuity with Gallant's family tree will bug me in a couple years, but oh well. It was nice to get a little more insight into his character, and his enthusiasm about learning what everyone else's father does for a living gives me a chuckle as well. Line of the episode goes to Malik in reference to Lizzie and Mark's separation. She's too much woman for him. Oh, and I can't not address the fan theory. Ever since I heard it, I've been a huge supporter of it. However, I do have to admit that I noticed the eye color this time, and the person unfortunately does not have Jerry's baby blues. Please ignore that hole in the theory, capital T, should you wish, should you wish to, which I probably will. Overall, a perfect bit of levity before we move on to much heavier emotional content. Love to see it. At the full-time dad, Secrets and Lies is one of those that you either love or you hate. There's very little middle ground. I am in the love camp because it gives us some well-needed laughs before we dive right back into the thick of it. This stretch of ER is as depressing as the show will get. Beautiful, mind you, but it's still heavy on the soul. Here, we're able to laugh opine aloud if it's jerry behind the mask it is uh gawk at how tall the mistress of pain is roar at the dildo in weaver's locker although admittedly kind of a fucked up prank hiss and boo at carter's petulance giggle at the time capsule reference that is early 2000s reality tv never got into survivor didn't realize fear factor was this old hiss and boo more at carter's elitism listen intently as we learn more about gallant's character and family chuckle at susan's well-treaded bark lounger joke about pops try to figure out how the carter family fortune nearly quadrupled if it's indeed north of 750 million from 95 until now the immediate aftermath of the dot-com bubble recession cackle at luke and carter's luca and carter's duel stare at the screen in horror when car brags about being freaking raped by his maid melt as luca brings us home with croatian hamlet 
it's a new nickname for him uh now we know why madonna called him the sexiest man in the biz back in 98 dude almost made me switch teams and finally tie a nice ugly bow around the end of suzer lucar whatever it is it's finally over holla fucking luya Honestly, if this episode wasn't placed where it is in the timeline, I'm not sure you'd be able to make it through to On the Beach. Oh, yeah, that would be a lot. And random side note before we get into our plugs, uh, happy birthday to our listener, Mal. Very excited for her. She got her first tattoo today, happy. and she's done a lot of legwork for us over the past few years. So Happy birthday happy two birthday. weeks ago, Mal. Happy birthday. Yes, that's fair. Happy birthday two weeks from now when it's two <laughs> weeks or three weeks past your birthday. We appreciate you. Yay! Anyway, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank y'all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week, and for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two-week early access to any future cast and crew interviews, and over 65 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, and movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, and we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure, sure to check out the official Silent Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Uh, folks can find me on Instagram, likely posting stupid climbing videos of Lizzie and I at Lobo92345. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at randomgamer, that's J-A-M-3-R, uh, where you can probably find me this climbing's gonna turn into my whole personality folks <laughs> just i'm sorry this the lawrence created a total huge fucking monster anyway thanks thanks again to everyone very much for listening please join us again next time Have a great Yeah.